Hi, I'm Emily Salaby, founder of Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company, and your host on the Hazard Girls podcast here on Jacket Media. I'm so honored to host this show where I get to chat with Hazard Girls about their careers. Hazard Girls is an online community for women working in traditionally male-dominated fields. On our show, you'll get to hear from these amazing women about the path that led them to their current careers, challenges they've overcome, advice for other women in entering these industries, and more. Sally Morse is the co-founder of Spectra Supply and the product creator of Spectra Gloves, director of Unify Safety Supply, and co-founder of Collective Events. Sally has been involved with the startup of all three companies with a common thread of supporting those who work in the energy, construction, agriculture, and manufacturing industries. Sally has a clear mission on supporting women through the products she makes and distributes and the event platforms she provides to spotlight women's PPE, personal protective equipment, important issues, and supports. Sally also has a background in mental health, which has allowed her to navigate entrepreneurship with tolerance for the highs and lows that go along with that. And I certainly know all about that as well, Sally. Welcome Mm -hmm. to the Hazard Girls podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Sally, you and I met through some work we've been doing around promoting the proper PPE for women. Some women's work where brands have come together to forward our joint mission. And we won't talk much about that yet because it's not official, but it has allowed us to meet one another and to get to know each other a bit. So it's great to have you on the show today and hear about some of the work that you're doing. Thank you. I would love yeah, I would love to start with your work history because I did not know that you had a background in mental health. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my journey, or and, and you know, and it's it's talking about you know starting in childhood, and I felt like I was always kind of looking for in the helping or supportive role, um, and looking at you know my voice and giving my voice, and also allowing other people their voice as well. So I feel like that's just part of my personality, and um, so that kind of led me to psychology. I actually started a, a business degree, and um, psychology was one of the courses I was taking. And I felt like I was reading way more of my psychology textbook than I was any of the business stuff. So I changed my major. Um, so I have a minor in business, and I end up with a psychology degree, and went on to a master's in mental health counseling. And I used to counsel uh, children and youth. And so that that career was its own entire career. And then you moved on into this new industry. Is that how it happened? Yeah. Um, so I was doing uh, psychology and, and counseling right up to the month before my first daughter was born. So um, I was fortunate enough to stay home with my two daughters that I have. They're currently 14 and 12. Um, and then the whole idea was for me to go back to work uh, when my my youngest was in school full time. And so uh, that's that's was the plan. And then things changed <laughs> quickly. Um, so my marriage ended. And so then I was looking at what to do next, like what is next for me. And so I kind of went back to um, the business side uh, of what my schooling was and uh, decided I wanted to start a company. I wasn't exactly sure what. Um, being a single parent, I wanted to have better control of my time better control of my income. 
um, and just have like that that flexibility. And in my previous role, uh, I was dealing with you know children and youth, and that was after school and on weekends, and that was a time I wanted to be with my own kids. Mm-hmm. So that's what 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 changed my career um, essentially was that um, kind of life transition that was happening um, kind of unexpectedly. But as they say, everything happens for a reason, and um, I'm excited for what I'm doing today. And I probably wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today if that didn't happen. So turning a negative into a positive for sure. Um, But yeah, it's so it, it just kind of went to, I want to start a business and, and what does that look like? And I was just waiting for that inspiration to happen. And it just, it did, it finally did happen. And I picked what I wanted to do. Well, so let's talk about your three companies because there are three of them. And I'm, I'm in my mind trying to keep, you know, distinguish them from one another. You're the co-founder of Spectra Supply and the product creator of Spectra Gloves. And you are the director of Unity Unify Safety Supply and co-founder. That's like four things, actually. And co-founder of Collective <laughs> Event. So can you tell us about each company and sure. how different? Absolutely. So Spectra Supply is how it started. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just out of curiosity. And uh, a good family friend of mine uh, owns a pipeline company here in Calgary, where I reside. And um, yeah, I was just sitting in his office and he had a spreadsheet of all these consumables on his desk. And they were like for three projects and um, they were, you know, in the multiple millions of dollars. And just so out of curiosity, I was just like, what do you go through the most of, you know, with your company? And he just said like, I don't know. Great question. He's like, just go down the hall, like talk to my secretary. I'm sure she could help you. So I literally walked down. I asked her that question um, on a blank piece of paper. She wrote 10 SKUs down and I knew where they were buying their products. And I realized that six out of the 10 SKUs were work gloves. Um, So I literally called my brother. Um, He's a few years older than me. He has a couple of companies already. He's an entrepreneur. I said, you know, we should really look into gloves and let's start a glove company. And that's how it it started. And our first order was uh, just ordering for, you know, this one company. They really helped us out to kickstart our company. And uh, we brought in seven styles um, in one size. (laughs) And that's how it started. And then it just developed from there. Um, Uh So we just do gloves. Um, And after our first year, um, again, as a woman in, in business, I was like, oh, I need to do women's gloves because it was just yeah. all men's things to start. And so I have two styles of women's gloves and uh-huh. I actually, you know, our, our Spectra gloves uh, is our brand and yeah. we're in 49 retail stores in three provinces, Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba. That's amazing. Um, Congratulations. Yeah. Wait, Thank I want to ask you a little bit, yeah. like, so when you, when you, when you started, when you realized, cause I love this backstory. I mean, this is, this speaks not only to your psychology background, but it really speaks to your business background as well, that you went to see what, what was the most needed product? What was the most being used product? Supply supply and demand, right? Yeah. Right. So you found out it's gloves. Now, presumably they already had a place to get their gloves. So how did you find a way to distinguish or differentiate your men's gloves? Because you started out just doing the men's. So what was it about the gloves that made them different and sellable? Um, so I didn't want to do anything too different to start because they're particular for certain types of gloves that they need for their industry. Um, but what I could help them on was quality and price. 
So I self-taught myself how to import and work with the manufacturers, um, making those adjustments, um, the pre-production samples. I uh, learned how to get a shipping agent, um, learned how to uh, literally, I, I drew the product tags on a piece of paper um, because we were, we were self-funded, totally bootstrapped. Mm -hmm. So uh, I went on to like Fiverr and hired a designer to help mm -hmm. me with my product tags. And I pretty much sent them the pieces of the puzzle. And um, I want, you know, this image, I got it for, you know, free or like stock photos that were, that were free to use, um, created or bought the um, barcodes and went on a font generator site. And I literally gave all the pieces uh, to someone on Fiverr and they did all the product tags and stuff like that. So it was just like self-taught, how do I put all this together? Um, and really it was just, you know, quality. So um, they use a lot of cowhide, which is very scratchy. And my thing is like, if something's not comfortable, you're not gonna wear them. So what's mm -hmm. the, and that's a safety issue. So for me, it was, okay, we're only using goat skin. So even like the fitters, which are like the typical yellow striped um, kind of work gloves, um, they're very comfortable. You put them on and they're kind of like, you know, but at the same time, we're cheaper than our competitor. We're a small company. We don't have a lot of overhead. We are bootstrapped. So we had that play in the margin that we could yeah. meet pricing and very good quality. So those were the two factors I looked at um, to bring those first gloves to market. Oh, that's fascinating. Okay. So then you're doing this. It's going well. Uh, you're selling the gloves that you're manufacturing. At what point did you say, let's try women's gloves? Because I mean, we all we all know women are growing part of the market, but still they are a lower percentage. Um, so what, what made you do that? Um, yeah. So like I, like I said, I was like, okay, I need to look at women's gloves. Why, why am I not doing that as a woman in this industry? Um, you know, as a national average, about 5% of women in Canada are in the, the trades. Um, but that number is definitely growing more and more. And this was like a few years ago that I brought in the, the two styles, um, and they've done really, really well. Um, I'm also tweaking it as I go and, and learning myself as I go. Um, but I was in a hardware store. We have a, a, a store called, or a, I guess it's not a store, a, a chain called Home Hardware. Um, mm -hmm. And I was in there and the owner came up to me and she's like, oh, do you have women's gloves? I'm like, yes, I do. And like, literally <laughs> the shipment was coming like the following month. I'm like, they'll be here like next month. Yeah. And she's like, amazing. So, you know, it wasn't just me thinking the idea. It was like these stores saying like, hey, do you have women's gloves? Like, so it was kind of a combination of two. And then this last year, I've just really worked on um, perfecting that and really getting feedback. There are no standards for sizing in Canada. So I'm in talks with the CSA, um, our safety advisory here in Canada certification. And so I've been talking with them because it doesn't even exist. I'm like, okay, so how as a woman in industry who's bringing these gloves to market, how can I help that? So I'm looking at the ge geometry, hand geometry and biometrics now Bef before, you know, this last year, I was just kind of getting women to try on the gloves and just kind of tweaking them and, and mm -hmm. just kind of doing that. Um, and then we can talk about this later, but um, I'm doing an event in, in October or our company is collective events called futures and trades and technology. And I'm actually doing a study at the event because um, we will be having a women's workwear show 
and a lot of women will be there. A lot of women will be in, you know, the exhibition. So I'm doing my own study um, on sizing and then using that for myself and also providing that uh, data to the CSA. So that'll be my contribution of trying to provide some standardization uh, for, for women's sizing. Oh, wow. Um, okay. So yes, you did speak about the event and I would love to talk a little bit more about that event later. And it's very interesting what you're what you're discussing about the study that you're going to do at the event, yeah. but you're saying no studies have been done up to this point. There's no, nothing's really been done to. No, they have, them. they have no, no data. And I, I reached out to even people on LinkedIn. There is an um, Mason person who had kind of um, some studies that were done for like crash test dummies for the size mm -hmm. of the women versus the men in a seatbelt and things like I reached out to her um, and she's like, we don't have anything on hand data, <laughs> but maybe you can try this person. And I, I talked to some researchers in Ontario. They didn't have any really hand data. So then I even looked at maybe some forensics, like surely, mm -hmm. you know, if they find a hand <laughs> uh, that, you know, they, they'll be able to identify that as a female or a male. Maybe they have mm -hmm. something, but I've had just really no luck um, trying to find anything, you know, concrete. Um, so I've decided just, I will do my best to, to start that and do that um with my own study and yeah oh so what now what else about it what else about the hand um in your observation so far has been distinguishing from men's um so for what I what I did read and what I found which is very very slim um just the different finger lengths between the ring finger and the pointer finger. They seem to be quite different in women than in men. And I know everyone is a little bit different and that's why I'm really interested in my study, um, just for like some of um, the demographics of, you know, maybe race or age or, you know, how, how does the hand change? Um, so we'll be capturing all of, all of that data. But um, I don't know, like, it'll be really interesting to see like how much there is an invariance of women's hands in general. So I'm actually intrigued myself. But so far, I found that it's the, the finger length, um, mm -hmm. the men's standard sizing, they just seem a little bit too long, especially in the thumb. Um, and that uh, the, the ring finger and the pointer finger in women tend to be a little bit more similar in length. Um, um, that's that's the only thing that I've kind of mm. found so far and of course like women's hands tend to be more petite and and slim in certain women as well so it's in um important to capture that sizing for for in smaller sizing as well for mm -hmm. women and what about fingernails does that have anything to do with it sorry say that again fingernails uh, what about fingernails? Oh, fingernails okay sorry I thought you said finger analysis um <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I guess that that's a, a very good point of like, do women want that extra length in certain things? Like some will, but then some won't, right? It'll just, it will be, yeah, that'd be really interesting to to see. Yeah. yeah. Make everybody happy. So I, right. I know As that a, people in industry like, like nails and, and they have the nails. So maybe they'd have to go up a size to accommodate their nail length. Um, but uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah just, just so many factors to <laughs> Yeah, so many factors to consider there. Um, yeah. All right, so that so that we just talked about Spectra Supply and that you created Spectra Gloves. Now, what is Unify Safety Supply? Yeah, so again, you just have to sometimes go where life leads you. And yeah. I was selling, you know, gloves to businesses or in these stores, and uh, you know, making these relationships, and that's what business is all about, right? Is making relationships with people. And um, so I was, you know, selling our gloves and and connecting with people. And then they're like, well, 
we're getting our gloves from you. So can you get us like safety glasses? Can you get us hard hats? Like, can you get us, you know, all these other things? And I was yeah. like, sure, I can look into it. Um, yeah. So then Spectra Supply grew into a distribution company. We went from just a manufacturing company of our own brand to now being a distributor. Um, and so we did that for a year and I was like, okay, I got to put the brakes on here and, and reassess how we're going to have, have our company set up. So um, so Spectra Supply will always be our manufacturing. We just do gloves right now. Um, but Unify Safety Supply came out of our, I guess, of Spectra to be our distribution. And our differentiator for Unify is uh, I'm very heavily into women's PPE. So mm -hmm. I'm looking to be a distributor having, you know, equal access or, you know, having a lot, a lot of choice for women's protective personal equipment. And also we have the men's as well, but yeah, our, our website is unify safety supply and.com. Um, and so I just want to add way more women's um, offerings on there than you'll see on other sites. So, yeah. And so for me, it's like, again, how can I help women? It always comes yeah. back to how can I be that place or support or even the education, the amount of events that I go to and I will meet company owners and uh like you know I'll give them the spiel of what I do and they'll be like oh I didn't know there was women coveralls oh yeah there is right so it's the education piece of like there is and there's actually a good few choices and it comes back to women who are in the industry or identify this and just like yourself yeah. Emily um and I've connected with so many women because it's us usually who are creating these brands we see the need in the market and so I'm uh -huh. trying to connect with as many women manufacturers, and I know there's men out there too that do winning uh, manufacturing for, for women's apparel, which is awesome. But it's like, yeah, how can I gather all these great women who have made these amazing projects uh, or products, sorry, and put them on my platform to the end user? So is your platform a website or do you do catalogs that you send out to companies? Uh, well, Unify just mm -hmm. formed in April of this year. So it's very new. It just split recently. Um, so right now it's just a website. I don't have a storefront that maybe, um, you know, in the future, I would love to have an actual brick and mortar store where women could come in and try things on. But right now I just deal with companies um, mm -hmm. who are looking to fit their, their, you know, their workforce. And um, yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens in the future, but it's just the website for now and just kind of the, the B2B. And how have you seen the response from companies when you've approached them about telling them it's a lot of, it's going to be, are you specializing in women's or is it just that there's also a full selection of women's? Um, I specialize in inclusive PPE. That's my tagline. Yeah. So yeah. it's the one-stop shop where you can get everything for your workforce because mm -hmm. there's also men that actually might even fit more in the women's proportions or, or sizing as well. So, um, yeah, I'm kind of marketing as an inclusive PPE and the responses has been amazing. Um, a lot of the purchasers or people in safety, I find are women. So again, when I'm at events or going, you know, uh, connecting to people and I kind of let them know, like I'm representing all these brands and there are choice now and mm -hmm. more women are entering, um, the industry. And so, you know, uh, sometimes to be a pioneer, you have to kind of put yourself out there and, and, you know, take the risk, but I'm willing to take the risk and, and, you know, have the inventory and hold it for the women. I know 
you know, it's going to increase from that 5%. I think my province is higher anyways. It's like 7 mm-hmm. 8% because we are pretty mm-hmm. heavy industry here. Um, but it's going to continue. There's amazing programs and supports through our governments, nonprofits that are um, seeing more women enter these trades. So it's, yeah, so I'm getting kind of trying to get myself out there, not even ground level, because obviously there's other people that do it as well. But to di- differentiate myself um, from other, you know, PPE suppliers, yeah. um, I just want to offer the women's choice and the response so far has been amazing. Yeah, really great. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I know here in the US, it's the awareness is spreading, companies are realizing the need. Um, and then they're just looking, they, a lot of companies don't realize that the products exist. So part of the challenge is really make, raising the awareness that yes, we're here, we exist. Um, and, and here's how we can make a partnership work with you. Um, and I'm just wondering in Canada, are you seeing the same thing that the, the awareness is there that it is needed, but they are not aware that it exists? Or are you finding that you really need to still get in there at the ground level and educate that about the, the need for the product in the first place? Uh, I think the education part for sure. Um, mm-hmm. So some companies, they do like lunch and learn. So um, they've reached out to me to, to go in and talk about that. Um, I've worked with um, some of the, the schools here. So SAIT um, is our big technical school here in Calgary, and they run programs for training women. So I go in there not only for the company, but for these women who are going to be entering these, these industries, educating them as well. Um, so I'll go in there and do a safety talk from head to toe about what's out there for women. So even if they do go on site or working for one of these employers and they're trying to put them in a men's safety vest, one size fits all, which is way too big for them and is a hazard or yeah. a cup wall. Well, the crotch is down where their knees and their sleeves are like, you know, five inches past their fingers that they can voice themselves and say, Oh yeah, actually there's choices now for coveralls and safety vests. Mm-hmm. You know, I can even source that for you, or I can let you know where to buy that or mm-hmm. just let them know that it, it exists. So I think it's the education part, even for some of these women who are entering these trades that uh, they have choice and they have a voice to, to be safe and require that from their employer. Um, and then from the companies as well, um, the need for it. And I think when you talk to companies, it's the cost as well. Um, of, you know, downtime, um, of, you know, cost for, for, for these women, um, to, to have to do these adjustments. And it's not only attracting women and diversity in their industry, but I feel like it's retention. Um, if you don't really show that they are a value and that, um, they should have safety equipment that fits them. Um, what is that message you're giving to those women? Why would they want to stay with your company? And I do see a shift in that. I see amazing companies that um, realize that now mm-hmm. and um, are are working, you know, hard, harder and and in a better way to support the women who work for them. Well, your background is in psychology, as we mentioned. So really, you're a great person to talk to the idea of psychological safety, you know, as part of the workplace when it comes to having the right equipment or even being acknowledged as needing maybe a variation in the equipment that's provided and being accounted for as a legitimate part of the company. Um, can you speak to that a little bit? How What type of effects that has on women at when the proper PPE is not provided for them to get their sizing? Absolutely. Um, so like we said, there's the physical safety side of it. So when you go on site, 
does that person feel safe? And mm -hmm. mentally, what would that do to a person, to anybody where they're required to do their job? Um, and they don't, and, and I find too, um, the women that I've spoken to, um, that they don't want to really stand out. They don't want to come across as a complainer. They don't want to say they're different. They want to just do their job. And yeah. so I, I think the culture of the company to make it a good place where their voice can be heard and that they can only not feel physically safe to do their job. But yeah, what, the, what does that do on their, their mental health as well? Just, just worrying about that or again, just um, the fear of, of judgment um, if they do yeah. speak up. Um, you know, they should just be able to be free in their mind um, that they are safe and that they're in a safe space um, mm -hmm. to voice their concerns as well. So I could see, you know, that would cause anxiety, that would cause um, just discomfort in their day-to-day -day work. And think about how many hours uh, of our life that we're actually doing that at work. Um, and I'm sure that doesn't stop as soon as they leave the job site, that that'll, that'll be on their mind, especially, you know, young, you know, mothers with, with children and the concern mm -hmm. of, of that as well. So um, I think that's a huge thing. If you actually can make someone physically safe and create a culture in a company where they can speak, um, mm -hmm. that would definitely help their, their mental health, um, as well. I think they go very much hand in hand. And who in the company do you think is ultimately responsible? I mean, other than the top, ultimately responsible for dealing with these issues. So is it DEI department, like diversity, equity and inclusion department? Is it HR? Is it the safety department? Who, who do you think women should go to first to talk about this? Um, well, I think the safety for sure, because that's a very strong argument that, yeah. you know, this doesn't fit me. And, you know, if I was to fall, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, that would be um, a life threatening issue. It's not like you could just get hurt, you could die. Yeah. Um so I think that's a very strong argument. So I would say go to your safety officer, whoever does your health and safety first and be like, this is not a safe option or I don't feel physically safe. Mm -hmm. um, that also the, the production time, you know, if, if a toilet isn't available mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, you know, just that, that should be available for women too, um, that they don't have to, you know, wait uh, until, you know, four hours until they have a break to, to go use the washroom and because they have to undress, you know, completely out of their coveralls. And mm -hmm. I know there's options out there, which, you know, you can have easier access to, to using the washroom, um, if you're out in the field and a little bit more exposed. Um, so I think all of those are great, you know, concerns to bring up to a safety if there is something with And then if that doesn't, um, I think, uh, change anything, then I think HR would be a very good next step of bringing concerns and, you know, saying on this date or this email, maybe I brought up these concerns and nothing ha has been done. I think the next step would probably be HR. If a company does have a diversity inclusion um, division, like that's amazing. I think they would be your ally then uh -huh. to, to make some improvement and movement. If that's available to you, then definitely I would reach out to them as well. If you, if you have no success on your own um, and you need that support. Sally, let's shift gears because I want to make sure we have time to talk about your event that's coming up. Yes. It is, so Collective Events is putting on the Futures in Trades and Technology FITT event. Is that right? 
Yeah, so fit for short, because it's a bit yeah. of a mouthful to say futures and trades and technology. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Tell Almost us about the event. What's going on? Yeah. So again, it's just so funny uh, where life takes you because I started as a manufacturing company and now I'm a distribution company. And then I was like, how can I more support, you know, people in trades and, and um, this shift in energy. And it's really big up here in Canada um, of, of our energy sector. And um, there's a lot of amazing um, nonprofits that are really helping uh, companies up here just with cleaner solutions and like carbon capture and um, the whole sustainability piece and mm -hmm. these projects are, are incredible but we still need boots on the ground we still need people to do that and and you know mainstream media when you read the headlines and and then for me being kind of supporting this industry I'm like mm, those two don't really match um, so I was like how can I provide a, a platform for these companies to tell their story um, and so myself and my co-founder of Collective Events is Trevor McInnes. He's an electrician by trade. Um, my dad growing up was an electrician by trade. So I grew up in a blue collar home. Um, and he and I just sat down one day and we're having a drink and he's like, we should just do an event. I was like, okay, let's do it. <laughs> let's just, I got, you know, I got time. Let's just do this. So, uh, so yeah, we decided, uh, I think it was December of last year. Uh, so we're like, yeah, let's put on this event. This is what we'll call. And we don't want to do rows of tables of people, you know, just hawking services and products. Let's like, let's tell the story. So it's going to be very, um, kind of collaborative event. Um, it's at a science center here in Calgary, Telespark. And, um, it's an exhibition on a Friday, Saturday. Cause again, I wanted to reduce barriers. If there's people who are looking for a career transition or, um, people that maybe were already in a, in a, you know, a job on Friday, we wanted to have that access on Saturday, which is kind of unheard of for trade shows or not trade shows, but events to go from a Friday, Saturday. But again, we just want to reduce the barrier. Um, so yeah. So for children and students, the cost is zero dollars. Um, so you just have to get a ticket in advance and then you can attend the exhibition and talk to people in the industry, look at what jobs are out there, look, talk to the schools of what programs and courses can I take to kind of, you know, get get into to the industry, into trades and how does that work? There's a lot of questions um, regarding even how do you start in the trades? And yeah. I wanted a lot of female representation. So we're representing um, three charities, one which is called Women Building Futures, uh, there's Raising Spirits, CMHA, CMHA, which is mental health. Um, so it was like, again, supporting mental health and then supporting yeah. women, right? In trade. So again, everything is all connected. Yeah. Um, women Building Future is an amazing nonprofit. And so they will be there. They train women. Um, they also talk to the employers, um, employers of choice. And then they match these women to these companies that I know will take very good care of that workforce and grow them. Um, so yeah, I would, it's a two-day exhibition. Um, and we have a women's workwear show on the Saturday, which I'm super excited for uh, on the catwalk. We've got amazing pro uh, products. We have um, some maternity wear and we have even a couple of hijabs uh, for FR ones. And so it'll be a nice little little mix of, of products for the show. And then the Friday is the conference. So there'll be a lot of industry. We have amazing speakers and uh, panel discussions on the Friday of our event. Wow, that sounds so much fun. And so what's the region that is mostly going to be attracting or is it is it national? Um, I think it's going to be kind of local. Um, this is our first annual event. Um, so the goal is, you know, we're having it in Calgary this year. We may alternate to another larger city here in Alberta and Edmonton um, kind of year, year with year. 
our goal is to take this show across Canada. So we would love to go out to the East Coast and um, yeah, make it an annual event and, and do it across Canada. Um, this is our, our first one, like I said. So it's just kind of um, showing what the storytelling is in, in these industries. And I think that's really important to tell. And we're having it at a science center on purpose um, because again, we wanted easy access Industry, like I said, will be there um, that will kind of be at the, the bigger events, but we wanted to just open the doors a little wider. We want general people just to come in that maybe have uh, questions and yeah. um, maybe have a teenager who, you know, maybe they never thought that being in the trades had any type of um, longevity to it and that, you know, oil and gas might be dead. And um, we're actually no further from the truth that there's a lot of um, opportunity um, in these industries still, and we are transitioning to to a cleaner, cleaner transition for for our energy sectors. Um, but again, just opening those doors a little bit wider. So it's going to be small kids, uh, which you normally don't see at trade shows. Uh, yeah. Kids and and youth, school school age. Um, any of the the students are already already in these trade schools um, can do some networking. You know, maybe they're ready to graduate and are looking for their next job. Um, so yeah, and then the industry professionals for them themselves to network um, with other you know companies um, that that maybe align with with projects that you want to do. And when is this? When what's the date for the event? Yeah, so the dates are October twentieth and twenty first. So coming up very soon. Yeah. We'll and, have to get- uh, get this podcast out on time. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be great. (laughs) Um, And then tickets, uh, like I said, are are free for for children and students, but they do need to sign up for a ticket or they'll get charged. And the great thing is if they buy a ticket for our event, they have full access to Telespark Science Center. So it's a really cheap day out for even like maybe a parent who wants to take their kids. Yeah. Uh, Like $20 for the family. And mm-hmm. they've got some amazing robotics. They have Rosie, the robotic arm, which is like um, three people can be strapped in the end of this robotic arm. It's like it's like a ride. And then <laughs> also have a Boston Dynamic uh, robot dog called Flint. And Flint <laughs> will be, uh, taking stage um, at our conference and taking stage um, in our exhibition. So lots of great things, even just to check out um, for families to come to our exhibit and then explore Telespark Science Center as well. Oh, that sounds so fun. I want to just go back for a second to, we were talking about the hand geometry biometrics that you're going Mm -hmm. to be studying. And you said you were going to do the study at this event, right? Yes. How so? How are you going to conduct that? Uh, Yeah. So kind of old school, actually. I was looking into like getting maybe like a 3D imaging or something like that, uh, which looked is way too expensive. So um, I'm I'm literally going to have two people trained to uh, do the measurements. So it's very consistent. Um, I don't want anyone self-measuring or anything like that. So we'll have like two people trained in the accurate dimensions. Um, So there'll be like an intake form um, with a consent form. And we'll just take taking the the data from from the measurements of the different hands. And then Mm -hmm. we'll just, yeah, we'll put that into... um, like a report and and provide that for the CSA. And that's also good feedback for me um, moving forward. I do have a whole women's line coming out next year. So I've been working hard. And I think even if I need to tweak a few things here at the end, before I go, go into full production, I'm hoping from this study that um, I will even be able to dial it in 
even more than I, than I have been. So, yeah, so we're literally setting up a booth, um, next to where all of our women's PPE. So our women's workwear show is on the Saturday at 1 PM. And so we'll have a whole booth designated to all those products. So people can come in and look and feel, um, all the products that will be in the show over, you know, the, in those two days. And, um, the booth will be situated right there for any women that come through that want to take part in our study. And yeah, we just take the measurements and we'll go from there. Great initiative, Sally. Well, Sally Morris, co-founder of Spectra Supply and product creator of Spectra Gloves, director of Unify Safety Supply and co-founder of Collective Events. Thank you so much for joining us on the Hazard Girls podcast. You are definitely a powerhouse and in so many ways, a kindred spirit to me. So I've enjoyed this a lot. Um, I also just want to make sure we get we get a chance to tell people where to go to, to find you. Um, absolutely. So LinkedIn is probably the best place. So if you just uh, check my name, you know, Sally, Sally Morse, um, um, you can find me on there. Um, I'm on Instagram as well. So the handles, I, we can probably post those later, but uh, just Spectra Supply, Unify Safety Supply, uh, Collective Events as well. And to buy tickets um, for the Futures and Trades and Technology event, just go to collectiveeventsinc.com. And you can just buy your tickets there for the conference. We have a mix and mingle at a restaurant called Char Bar. It'll be really fun uh, Friday nights. So you can get tickets for that. And then also your tickets for the events. That's all on Collective Events website. Coming up October 20th and 21st. 20th and 21st. That's right. 2023. All right. Well, thank you again, Sally. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Emily. You have been listening to the Hazard Girls podcast on Jacket Media, sponsored by Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company. That's junojonesshoes.com. And you can go there to learn about our steel toe boots and to join the Hazard Girls community. I'm your host, Emily Salaby. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.